Well, good morning. I was just admiring what nice-looking group you are, all are. So we're glad that you're here. I'm Pastor Allen, if I hadn't greeted you earlier. Uh, we teach in series, meaning we pick a topic and talk about it for several weeks. This series we're in now is called <clears throat> Game Plan. And today, specifically, we're going to talk about the playbook. If you missed those, you want to, uh, what are we on, third one? If you missed the first two, they're on our website. The audio is on our website. <clears throat> this series is based around the, the premise of, what am I going to do with my life? And if you're a Jesus follower, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Or what's your will for my life? What is your plan for my life? But even if you're not, God has a plan for your life. And so we're all trying to figure those things out. Um, and it's about decision making, about schooling, professions, relationships, finances, health issues, etc., etc. The issue is sometimes it's just difficult to know, isn't it? It isn't like there's a writing in the sky, hey, you need to do this or stop doing this or change and do that. So that's what this series is about. We're trying to help you out with that. And so the first week we talked about the foundation. Last week we talked about the three elements of God's will. And uh, providential will of God, that's just what God does because God's God and nobody can stop him. Created the world, he did the flood thing, the, the Israelites out of Egypt uh, with Moses. Most important thing he did was send Jesus to suffer and die for us. And we talked about last week, there's going to be an end to history eventually. And when God decides, this is all going to be, be over. All right. <clears throat> the moral will of God is what's written in the Bible. And so... It's a little humorous, not really, but uh, sad, merely. When people struggle with stuff that's already in the Bible. Like, I don't know if anybody prays, should I kill this person or not? I hope nobody does that. Uh, should I commit adultery? Should I lie? Should I steal? Uh, should I gossip? You know, you don't have to pray those prayers because the answer is in the book, right? Uh, those aren't things we're supposed to do. Should I be kind? Should I be forgiving? Yes, uh, that, that's in there too. So it limits all, some of the questions, some of the options, they're already answered for us. But most of us, what we struggle with is the personal will of God. Where should I go to school? Who should I marry? You know, what job should I take? Uh, Etc. For me right now, it's okay, I'm 65, you know, when's the, when's the retirement thing going to happen? How's it going to happen? Who's going to follow me here at the church? Etc. So... Decisions after decision, they don't, they don't end uh, at my age or whatever age you're at. So I want a little bit of feedback here at the beginning. How many of you have done at least a 5K, either walked it or run it? Put your hand up. Come on, put them up. Roy, you, you and Anne have never done even a 5K? Shame on you. No, not really. <laughs> All right. How many have you have done something longer? That means 10K or... Or whatever. Okay. A lot, lot fewer hands went up that time. How many of you think it's crazy? Now, I run ultra marathons. How many think you think that's crazy? Put your hand up. All right. I figured most of the hands would go up for that one. <laughs> anyway, um, church did some 5Ks a couple years ago to raise uh, money to drill some wells overseas because <clears throat> people have clean water. And I, I think I, I ran a couple of them one year. I walked with my wife. But anyway. I don't like 5Ks. And I was talking to John Gates. He doesn't like them either. I don't understand running as hard and fast as you can for three plus miles. It's just not fun. Now, some of you say running 50 miles isn't fun. I understand that. But it's just the way I'm wired, right? And John's wired. We, not John. John over here. I don't know. Where, where are you, John? 
there, the other John. I don't, you know, I know he runs marathons. I know he likes that, but um, we're all wired differently. Some people are wired. Some of you might like to do sprinting, you know, 50 yards, 100-yard dash. I, I don't like those either. The point being, I'm wired one way. You're wired another way. Um, some of you wired aren't, aren't wired for running at all. I understand that. We're all different, right? And uh, the problem is, sometimes we don't find that niche. Now, I didn't run my first ultra. I didn't really run a race till I was 52 years old. And I've done like 15 of them since then. But I didn't know this was something I would like. I hadn't found that niche. And uh, so that's often with people. They haven't found their niche in life. They haven't figured out really what we would say God designed them to do. God planned for their life. So your, we're going to use the analogy of a race. Your race, your life, God's plan for your life is going to be different than mine and vice versa. In fact, they're all unique. God's made us all unique, right? So the question is, how do you find that? So we're trying to help you with that with this series. And I'm going to use this analogy of a thumbprint. God's thumbprint on you, this way God's wired you, are clues about his plan for your life. So if you can figure that out, it gives you some clues or some help in figuring out God's plan for you. So the clearer you are in understanding God's wiring or thumbprint on you, the easier it will be to figure out what that plan is, where your niche is, where you're comfortable, where you'll be happy, where you find real meaning and purpose in life. Now we talked about last week, there's going to come a time we've got to give an account. And I believe there's basically like two questions on the, on the final exam of life, get to the pearly gates or whatever you want to imagine it being. And the first question is, what did you do with my son Jesus? God's going to ask us that. And hopefully we all can say, well, I accepted him as my savior and uh, accepted his forgiveness and entered into a personal relationship with you, God. I was forgiven by the blood of Jesus that we sang about. So that's the first question. The only other question, if you're a Jesus follower, is, well, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with the time and the money, the talents I gave you? All right? And... Um, we want to hopefully have a good answer with that. You have an account. So I'm going to try and illustrate it this way. <clears throat> I've got two brothers. I've got two sisters too. I'll talk about my brothers. I'm the oldest. And my sister May comes a year later. My brother Pierce comes a year later. My brother Pierce would be 63. He lives in North Carolina near Raleigh. The Research Triangle. And he's a scientist. He spent his whole career as a scientist. He went to the University of Maryland like I did. Majored in science. And he's been working in labs, first in Frederick and South Carolina and now in North Carolina, all his whole entire life. And best I can tell, he's really good at it. And he enjoys doing that. Now, I'm not going to get the pearly gates and God's going to say, why weren't you a lab nerd all your life like your brother Pierce? Because that's not how he wired me. And six years later comes my other brother, Dean. He lives in Boonesboro. He's a school teacher. He started out, he didn't figure this out until he was about 30, he started teaching kindergarten in Montgomery County. He still teaches in Montgomery County. He does uh, ESAW, English to Second Language uh, classes. Um, again, I get the pearly gates. God's going to say, why weren't you an elementary school or <laughs> kindergarten school teacher? Can you imagine me doing that? <laughs> but anyway, uh, he's not going to ask me that question. I'm not going to be, you know, judged on my brothers, who are my closest, you know, blood relatives. I'm not also going to be 
judged on why did why wouldn't you like Billy Graham traveling all over the world and preaching to millions of people? Because again, that's not the way God wired me. But it's important to figure out, and I think I've done pretty well most of my life, you know, teaching, preaching, pastoring churches, first well, first in Washington County, then in Portugal and a couple churches, and now back here in Washington County. And I'm gonna have to answer God for God to that. Now, Jesus tells a story. We call it the parable of the talents. This guy goes to his servants and says, hey, I'm, I'm going on a trip, and I want you to uh, take care of talents or, or money, some translations say, a certain amount of money, and I'm going to come back and find out how you did. And so if you know the story, he goes away, and he, there's three, three servants, and the first one does, comes back. The first one did pretty well. The second one did pretty well. The third one, not so well. And I believe he's talking about this, what's going to happen, this end of time, judgment time for all of us. <clears throat> um, we're going to have to give a report. Uh, the sad thing is some of us spend more time like on our fantasy football than we do on trying to figure out God's plan for our life. That's, that's the sad thing. So that's why we want to kind of focus and drill down on this topic this morning because it's that important. So the question is, what did you do with the talents and or gifts that I gave you. And hopefully we're not going to get there and say, oh, I was just too busy with my life, with my job, with my family, those things are important, that I just didn't get around to it. Uh, that's not a good answer. <laughs> I don't think God's going to want to hear that. So we want you to be, have a good answer when you get there. Because the thumbprint, or God's wiring on you, are clues to what his plan is for your life. Now, it's bigger than just your job. Um, most of you know my wife, Deb. She's a fun person. She's fun to be around. And, uh, but it's bigger than that. I call her a replenisher. When you spend time with my wife, after you spend time with her, you feel replenished after that time. So that's huge. She's an encourager. She uh, has that effect on people. So this isn't just about... Your, your jobs, how you make money. It's huge. It's about your whole impact of your life. Now, I'm a big believer in, in, in being mentored and, and being a mentor. <clears throat> now, most of my mentors in my life haven't even met me. They're from books I've read and conferences I've been to. Um, some have been people I've met. But today, I want to talk to you about one of my mentors, and he's probably a mentor to a lot of you. And uh, in this case, he's a mentor to a guy named Timothy, a young pastor. And this is the guy we call Paul in the Bible. And he writes Timothy, this young pastor. Well, we don't know what he wrote, but we've got two letters that he wrote to him. And he, he really focuses in on this topic of God's thumbprint, or in the way he says it, God's spiritual gifts, or gifts God's given us. So we're going to look at a couple of verses in, well, 1 Timothy and then one in 2 Timothy. So let's get started in 1 Timothy 4.14. Uh, if you've got a Bible or your, your phone, you can look up some other translation if you like. Do not neglect, this, we're jumping in the middle here, do not neglect, that means pay attention, to the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Now, most of you haven't probably had this happen, unless you were, like me, a pastor. Some churches do this for what they call their deacons. How many of you had hands laid on you? Anybody? Oh, quite a few of you. Good. So you've had this experience. What happened to me back in 19... I remember the date because it's my mom's birthday, December 11th, 1977. 
<clears throat> at Greenbrier Baptist Church, and I just become the pastor. And so uh, another pastor friend came and preached a sermon. A couple years ago, we did this for Justin here at our church. It meant this, you know, the, the group of people, the church, especially the people laying hands, say, hey, we think God has wired you to be a pastor. God has gifted you to be a pastor. And so we are encouraging you uh, to do that. Now, for most people, it kind of sounds like this. Hey, I saw you teaching the, kid, uh, the children the other day, and you did such a great job. The kids really loved it. Um, you really connected with them. Uh, it seemed so easy for you. For me, it would have been impossible. You know, kind of sounds something like that. Now, the problem is when somebody, quote, unquote, compliments us on that, what's our natural reaction? Oh, no, no, it was nothing. You know, it's whatever. The problem, well, which, the reason we do that is we think it's being humble, right? I'm just being humble. But in reality, that's false humility, which is a lie. If God has gifted you to do that, if God has wired you to do that, if that's his thumbprint on you, that is something you should acknowledge, you should celebrate. You can think, well, you know, God's kind of, kind of gifted me to do that. <clears throat> and again, these are clues to God's plans for your life. I'll give you a personal example. Back in the um, summer of 1974, I had my first paid church job, all right? And it was a summer associate program at a church in Alexandria, Virginia. <clears throat> I looked up their website. It still exists, Fair Park Baptist Church. And uh, they would hire each summer, they would hire a seminary student to work there at the church during the summer. So I was excited. I was getting paid to, you know, do this church thing. And um, <clears throat> the pastor lived next to the church, and then a lady lived next to the pastor. Her husband used to be the pastor, and he had died, and she was retired. And, he, and uh, part of my pet deal, my package, was I got to live with her, and she became like my, Mrs. Lanier became my, like my second mom. Well, the problem was, this pastor wasn't much of a mentor, because all of June, he was away at seminary, working on his doctorate, and all of August, he was away on vacation. So he's hardly there during the summer. Now, the plus side was, since he wasn't there, I got to preach a lot. But he didn't trust me to preach on Sunday morning. <laughs> so I never got to preach on Sunday morning the whole summer. But I would preach a lot on Sunday night. We did Sunday night services back then. So after I, was, I preached a few times, the people would come up to me afterwards and said, you know what, you're a better preacher than our pastor is. Now, he had been there like 20 years. I thought he was old, but he was probably in his 50s. But I was in my 20s, so he was old, right? And so, um, not to put him down, but man, for somebody who's just starting out and just started preaching, I only preached a few sermons in my whole entire life, that was an encouragement to me. But what they were saying is this. this is, we see this as God's thumbprint on you. Now, I've been preaching ever since, teaching God's word ever since. Uh, but we see that in you. And it would have been wrong of me to say, no, 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 this is, this is what I, I should be doing because this is what, how God has gifted me. So Paul goes on, he's talking to Timothy or writing to Timothy, he says, give your complete attention to this. So this isn't a, a minor issue, this isn't a side issue, this is something we can do if we want to or not do. And that's just not for preacher types like me, this is for everybody. All right? So we're all supposed to give our complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into tasks so that everyone see your progress. Man, this is, you know, 100% in. Uh, this is how important it is, and it doesn't stop when you're retirement age. So whatever this gifting, giftedness is, 
how God's wired you, you, you need to f- use it. And the one way you find out what it is is by using it. So somewhere along the line, I had to start getting up and teaching God's Word. I just had to, right? And uh, some guys are pretty good, successful pastors, even though they aren't very good at teaching God's Word. And I'm probably better at that than I am at some other things. But uh, you, you have to try it to find out. In fact, in that jo- summer job, I um, did lots of different things. For example, there was a children's day camp, so I taught children during the summer. Now, Bible school, in our vacation Bible school in our summer, I teach sometimes missions, and I teach all the age groups. Well, to tell you how successful I am with kindergartens, they stop bringing the little ones into my class. <laughs> all right, I'm just not wired that way. I mean, I love them, uh, and they like me, but I, I just can't, and that's, that's not the way I'm wired, all right? I taught, I taught teens that summer. Um, I've, never, I've not taught teens too much. Some of you have, but... Again, that's just not the way I'm wired. For those of you that are, that's fantastic. But you don't know until you try it. You don't know until you do it. In fact, uh, (laughs) baptism of fire. When I first told my pastor back in 1969 that I thought I wanted to become a pastor, what he did was he said, I think you need to get some practice. So he gave me the middle school boys Sunday school class. Now, not that that wasn't bad enough, my brother Dean at that time was that age, and our cousin, one of our, some of our cousins were living with us, and one of our, my cousins was in that class. So not only did I have five or six middle school boys, one was my brother and one was my cousin. Baptism of fire. I, I survived it, but um, um, probably never did it again after that. <laughs> All right? So you've got to try it to find out if that's... Uh, and some of you have changed professions during your lifetime because you tried something. In fact, I was with someone this week that started off doing one thing and then finally decided they wanted to do something else. So that's one way you find out is by trying it. So then he says, keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and salvations that hear you, those who hear you. So whatever it is, stay true to it. For me, it's teaching God's Word for 40 plus years, right? Just keep, keep at it. Don't, don't give up. Don't stop again. Uh, you know, you don't retire from that. You might retire from your paid job, but you don't retire from your spiritual giftedness. And, you know, one day you guys will stop paying me from being a pastor here, but I'll probably, as long as I have breath and health, I'll keep teaching God's Word someplace. Because that's the way I'm wired. That's my giftedness. That's where I find fulfillment. And that's where people give me feedback that I, you know, they are helped by what I do. And then we're going to jump over to the second letter he writes. And this is so important that Paul basically starts the second letter with the same topic. He said, I know I talked to you, told you about this in the first letter, but this is central. This is really important. So he starts off the second uh, letter Six, six verses in. This is why I want to remind you, told you before, remind you to fan into flame. Good word picture. The spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Now we've all kind of done this, right? You had a little fire or starting a fire and how did you get it to get bigger? You either fanned it or you blow, blow on it, right? And then it finally gets bigger and bigger. So it's a great word picture of what you and I are supposed to do with our spiritual gift. Because, you know, I wasn't a great, even though they, they told me I was better than their pastor back in 74, I still wasn't a great teacher. 
I had to keep teaching. Others of you are teachers. You've got to keep honing your craft, right? You've got to keep getting better. Hopefully I'm better now than I was five or ten years ago. Uh, keep fanning in the flame. It's, in fact, that's our responsibility to God. So how do you do that? So we're going to give you two quick ways to do that. First is, know your gifts. You've got to figure out what they are, right? Now, one of the traditional ways to do this is do a spiritual gift inventory. Now, we used to do this in churches, and maybe you've done it before. But now it's really easy. You just go online, right? So I'm going to recommend one. I, I did several a couple weeks ago, and this one I like for a couple reasons. One, it's free, <laughs> so it doesn't cost you anything. Another, it just was kind of limited to like 10 of the gifts, so it wasn't taken in 30 or 40 of them. Actually, they were labeled, I think, the enabling gifts. And you get an immediate, almost immediate response. And it shows you a graph of like the 10 that you get, get tested on. There's like 100 questions. It takes a few minutes to do. And then it gives you a description of your top two. Really cool. Mine, not surprisingly, top one came out as Pastor Shepherd. All right, that was, that was number one. That's how it came out. All right, so there was a description of that. And it wasn't just a description for pastor types. It was a description for anybody. All right, how you might... If you have that as a gift, what you should do or how you should use it. My second one surprised me a little bit. It was administration. Um, it's not one of my favorite things to do, but evidently it's something I think is important that, that, that I work on. So I'm going to encourage you all to go ahead with this one or pick some other one and just, just do it as, as an exercise, but a fun exercise, but also a worthwhile exercise. Now, if you're in leadership at our church, because we have a retreat coming up in two weeks, I really want to encourage you folks to do this. And, oh, any of you can do this. Email me your results. Or send it to me because I'd, I'd be curious to see. Because as a team, we need a mixture of gifts, right? We don't know everybody like me. So MMT members, assignment in the next two weeks. Spend a few minutes and, and getting, getting one of those done. <clears throat> now, the other thing was, is uh, a series I did actually six years ago, 2011. It was called the Shape Series, Teaching Series. And it went like this. Um, Spirits, the S, S in shape stands for spiritual gifts, what we're talking about today. The H stood for heart. That means your passion, what you really enjoy doing. <clears throat> like I said, I don't really enjoy teaching little ones. I enjoy teaching uh, 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 adults, for example. Some of you don't enjoy teaching at all. Some of you enjoy other things. I enjoy running long races. I don't, so we, we're passionate about things, things that get your blood flowing, things that you get excited about. Uh, and it's different for everybody, right? A stands for abilities. These are just things that, you know, you have skills at. This has nothing to do with spiritual realm. Everybody has these, whether you're Jesus follower or not. You have abilities. P stands for personality. We all get different personalities. My wife's an extrovert. I'm an introvert. Uh, we have other types of personalities. And so that affects, you know, God's plan and God's thumbprint on your life. And the E stands for experiences. We all have different experiences, right? We all grew up in different families. We all went to different schools. We, you know, married different people, um, you know, travel different places, live different places, so our experiences are different. <clears throat> so, the tragedy is that some people spend more time planning vacations than they do figuring out God's wiring, God's thumbprint on their life. Now, let me kind of use a silly illustration here. Uh, I guess most men are like me. I'm not a good sick person. We're kind of whiny. Ladies, you agree? Your husbands are that way? Anyway, um, and right now I'm dealing with some cracked ribs or whatever it is. It's painful. But anyway, 
uh, your wife might say to you, why don't you go to the doctor? And if you're like me, you, you don't go to the doctor. All right. Well, if I don't go to the doctor, I forfeit the right to complain about being not well, right? Same thing here. Is it okay to be frustrated with not knowing your giftedness? Yeah, but it's not okay not to do anything about it, not to take an inventory, uh, gift inventory. So, take some time to try and figure it out. Of course, the second part of that, or the, 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 the link to that is leverage opportunities to use your gifts. Okay? Once you figure out what it is, and one way you figure it out is just try stuff, volunteer, but leverage opportunities. I gave you a couple examples from my life. Um, so um, we're recruiting teachers for Bible school. August 7th, that week of August 7th. When we do it from like 9.30, 11, or 12.30 in the morning. We're going to have more kids this year than we've ever had. We already know that. And so we're going to need teachers or more teachers. So, hey, you can volunteer. That fits into your schedule to come and help with Bible school. You don't have to volunteer in church. I hope you will, but... You know, you volunteer in the community, volunteer other places. But try it. You know, I, I did a lot of teaching, <laughs> uh, fanning in the flames. In fact, um, finished school in, in, in 75, December 75. January 76, I, uh, pastor recommended I go to this small church. I was in Myersville Church. This small church in Washington County. Uh, don't know anything about Washington County. I'm from... Baltimore, so as far as I'd gotten was Frederick County. So there's a church in Washington County, could use your help, small little church called Eccles Mill. And so, only thing else to do, I want to leverage my gifts, so I show up at this little church. The first Sunday I was there, they had me teaching children. It happens to be the church where Naomi, my mother-in-law, was playing the organ. Uh, her dad was the pastor, he was like 75 at that time. And there was a little teenage girl, <laughs> actually a senior in high school by the name of Debbie Jenkins, actually at that church. But so I showed up, I, well, before, before long I was the youth group leader, which my present wife was member of at that time. Kind of a no-no marrying your, your, your uh, youth leader, I think. But anyway, that's how it worked out. Um, and so for two years, well, not exaggerate, one year and 11 months, I did everything. I taught kids, I led youth, I preached. The second year, we actually built the building, which is now Greenbrier Baptist Church. Mel and I did a lot of that building. Worked as a carpenter during the day and do that in the evenings and Saturdays and so forth. I just say this because I never got paid one cent for all the things I did during those two years. Never, not one cent. I just volunteered. I was levering my opportunities to use my gift. And the second year, I preached a lot because... Her father, unfortunately, first he broke his leg and he came back and preached like one Sunday and then he, then he had a heart attack. So like for six months, another guy in the church and I did the preaching. Um, so you leverage the opportunity. Find places and find times when you can develop your gift. Now I want to go back, and we're almost finished, go back to a verse we looked at earlier because this is really important. This is that verse 15 when he's writing Timothy. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. See, this isn't just about you. And we talk about this all the time, right? If you're a Jesus follower, it's not about you. It's about first God and those people beside you. It's about the you beside you. So, 
God wants you to develop your spiritual gift, hone those gifts, that thumbprint on you, not just for you, not mostly for you, but most importantly for those of you beside you. Because what's at stake? Not only do you lose if you don't do this, the rest of us lose. So it's a lose-lose situation. But if you do this, it's a win-win situation. Where did Angie go? Scott's back there. Uh, you guys still plan to go out west and teach pretty soon, right? Yeah. So um, Dev and I taught the first two classes of uh, Financial Peace University. And then Josh and our, uh, my son Josh and his wife at the time, Aaron, for years they taught the class. They really got excited about it. They got a passion for it. And then Scott and Angie came along and they had a passion for teaching this class. In fact, they're so passionate about it Starting pretty soon, they're going to travel out to Western Maryland for what, about 10 weeks? 11 weeks to teach this class. I don't think they're paying you. Maybe they are. <laughs> All right. So they're not getting paid for it. But this is the way they're wired. This is what God's thumping on them. And you might pray for them, encourage them as they drive out to Western Maryland for 11 weeks to teach financial peace. Uh, our high schoolers, we don't have a class for them during this time. Younger kids, we do. But what we want them to do is either sit in here and learn as adults or to volunteer in ministries around here. Why? Try and figure out their wiring. You might say, hey, I'm work with, great with the little kids, or I'm greater with the older kids, or I'm not great with either of the kids, all right? And one of the things, uh, the giftedness that I think is really overlooked looked, is the gift of hospitality. And those of you that have hosted groups, small groups, that, that I have left, led, you don't know how much I appreciate the fact that you give us a place to meet, a comfortable place, and you host it so well. And those of you the lead groups, I'm sure you, f- you feel the same. Especially hos- also hospitality here at the church. When somebody comes in new, and we have some new folks here this morning, and I talk to them later, one of the questions I ask and what I get feedback on is, did you feel welcomed? And it's not just the people at the door, it's all of us. It's such an important part uh, the Christian life is hospitality. So lean in, figure out what it is, because eventually we're going to get to the finish line of this race of life, right? And back to that story I told, and I'll read this verse and I'll be done. The guy comes back and he talks to the first servant, and he did a good job, and here's what he says to him. This is in Matthew chapter 25. Master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling small amounts, and so I'll give you many more responsibilities. So evidently in heaven, we're going to have great responsibilities. And they said, let's celebrate together. Can you imagine God saying that to you? You did a great job. Let's celebrate. That's what's in store. That's the possibility for all of us. So let me pray with you, and we'll have a final song and let you go. Father God, thank you for the opportunity we have to be part of this whole thing, church thing. And we thank you that you gift us with stuff. And we don't have to just work it up ourselves or develop it ourselves. We do develop it once we, we figure it out and we figure it out and then we use it to help other people. And, and that really brings purpose and meaning to life. We thank you for those opportunities. And we pray for anyone here that might not be a Jesus follower. The day could be the day. You step across that line and accept that gift and begin this, begin this race and head to the finish line. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.